Welcome to the Kupinger Call Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinbart. I'm a lead advisor and senior analyst at Kupinger Call Analysts. My guest today is Shika Porbal. She is an advisor with Kupinger Call, usually working out of Frankfurt, Germany. Hi, Shika. Hi, Matthias. Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you. And when I say that you are usually working out of Frankfurt, you are doing what many of our colleagues do, because on the one hand, we are really a an organization that is really yeah, international and, and spread around the world. So we have John working from Seattle and we have Graham working from Brisbane and Paul will be with me next week. He's working out of London. Um, where are you right now? Right now, I'm, I'm in the Middle East. I'm working from Bahrain as all of us. A lot of us have now moved uh, for a long time to work from home. And so I'm here right now in the Middle East, enjoying the hot sun. Great. So you are working from home. And this is the third episode in a series of episodes that are circling around the topic of cybersecurity and the cybersecurity threat landscape in a working from home scenario. So that fits nicely in there. So happy to have you for this episode. Annie and I, we did the first two episodes in the series. So let's dig a bit deeper into that topic. So when we're talking about home network, that could be any type of network. It's not necessarily home. It could be something like a, a shared office or an office space in general, but it could be also the usual home network. So we're talking about security, about the cybersecurity threat landscape. So what would be the vulnerabilities of a home network? Well, Matthias, when we talk about uh, the vulnerabilities of home network, especially during the pandemic, there, there are countless of them. And the reason being Uh, we are connecting a lot of our personal as well as other devices to the enterprise network. Now, the enterprise network being your company's network or, for example, a school's network or that of a hospital. So in, in that sense, these devices do not have proper firewalls or do not have any antivirus services or probably they do have that, but it's not updated and they're using default passwords that can easily be compromised. So in that sense, when we talk about vulnerabilities from home network, it is basically sort of a lot of devices that are now outside the hardened or the defined perimeter of the security. So we have like a security perimeter, but now there are many other uh, items or endpoints that get added to this IT ecosystem, but they are actually outside the security perimeter. So when we go into details of vulnerabilities, they're just endless. There could be a lot of different technologies and applications that have been downloaded, which uh, do not have adequate safeguards or do not have proper instructions from the IT team. And the, a lot of ports are risky. There are a lot of services that are exposed on the internet-facing assets and unpatched VPNs. So due to the increase of endpoints, there are many vulnerabilities that, for example, that the ones I've mentioned have, have come up. Right. And many um, security experts, including us, already have claimed before that there actually um, is no longer this well-defined perimeter for an organization. And I think the pandemic has clearly shown that this is really true and it has dramatically shown that 
organizations and people need to adapt to that very quickly. Um, are there any any figures that you see from the experience um, and from research um, that prove that attacks have increased over time? Um, Annie mentioned some of those already, but when it comes to people really working from home using, I don't know, remote services, is there anything that you would like to point out where really there is proof for this trend of um, vulnerabilities being also experienced? Exploited? Yes, yes. There's uh, so many researches and so many uh, uh, trends that we have seen in, in the research that we did because of the whole bring your own device environment that has come up during the pandemic. One of the examples is uh, what we see as an attack or breach of the remote desktop protocols. Um, as a technology, which is also one of the biggest endpoint security vendors, actually saw that the number of attacks per day via RDP rose from 65,000 a day in December of 2019 to 1,100,000 per day by May of 2020. So this is just one example of showing how just because the shift have been from a normal everyday work environment to a home environment, this shift has caused so much vulnerability. Even in 2020, a study of the US healthcare organization found out that 49% of the devices, laptops or other devices through which the employees in the healthcare work had risky ports and services exposed to a lot of other uh, endpoint vulnerabilities. And when we talk of healthcare data, this is really like a gold mine for uh, cyber criminals to use it against the organization or the government or the country. So in that sense, increased use of VPNs in many ways, many studies have shown has increased security challenges for all of us. Right. While VPNs are not the easiest thing to use and are not really convenient and come with a more or less bad user experience, that is really something that offers room for improvement and offers room for security improvement. We've been talking about the traditional endpoint device, though. That would be the, the laptop, the home computer. That would be maybe some tablet or such type of things. If we think of other devices, IoT devices, um, do they also contribute to the The increase in cyber attacks are there other devices we should look at of course any device any device there are home appliances there are many other uh, devices a phone for example especially you a lot of them who are doing remote schooling has resulted in higher risk of unintentionally downloading malicious softwares as well so it's it just does not come to laptops or tablets but also this can be extended for example to printers also which do not have up-to-date browsers, plugins, or PDF viewers. Even the office tools might not be as per the security measures. And the installation of a lot of these new applications to support work from home has resulted in a lot of vulnerabilities. And what happens is these points lead to a lot of data leakage, which has been more challenging to handle in 2020 in comparison to 2019. So this is this has also come up in a lot of surveys where 
IT professionals have stated that employees working remotely or other people using more IoT devices, it could be children, it could be anyone, has really increased the whole vulnerability to data leakage or incidents of data leakage. Okay. Um This is episode 70-something of this podcast. And in a very, very early episode in, in, in March or April, I assume, I, I did together with Martin Kuppinger, our colleague, we talked about how we could um, work towards getting more of um, awareness in our, in our employees and how we could change the rules for using these devices to ensure a secure and safe um, use of home devices in a car environment. What has been the impact since then on employee behavior, on security policies, on the way that people use their home network for accessing corporate systems? Are there changes invisible? Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of data in order to support this uh, statement of yours, Matthias. A lot, many corporate security policies in 2020 has put more emphasis on securing the employees' work from home environment. And even the NIST has acknowledged that the increase in IoT devices in a company's IT system brings more security challenges. A lot of data has shown, for example, a report uh, in the US said that 23% of employees do not know what security settings or products are installed on the devices they're using for work. And I'm talking about almost 50% of the people who responded to these surveys actually have never even done work from home before. So if they do not know of these security settings properly, they might not use the security functionalities to their full, full potential. And even another survey said that around 54% of the employees do seek workarounds if security policies prevent them from actually accomplishing their tasks. And here I would say, Matthias, even some of us have faced these kind of challenges and that we, we are unable to accomplish our task and for a second might think of a workaround. So this is something I think all of us are familiar with. There has even been warnings that say that there could be a risk of intentional insider threat just because an employee resents um, a, a pandemic-related layoff, for example, which could be one of the biggest reasons to do so. So yes, um, in that sense, you can see a lot of employee behavior making or increasing the risk of uh, security during the pandemic. Right, but that would be really deliberately circumvening um, some some orders, some um, best practices, some security measures that are in place. There is, on the other hand, the threat of people doing something um, that they actually did not want to do and did not expect to do. So I'm talking about phishing. So they click on a link without doing this with a malicious background. The malicious attack comes from the outside. So is there a, a rise there as well? Is this still the case now more than one year into the pandemic? Of course. Uh, phishing, especially targeted phishing, has risen highly. I do not have the exact numbers on this, but We see a trend that all the malicious actors or how to say cyber criminals are easily able to adapt to this new paradigm of work from home and increase in IoT devices. It's like a gold mine for them. But what happens is, on the other hand, employees are under a lot of emotional stress 
this could be due to the pandemic, due to work from home or losing their jobs. But for X and Y reasons, they're more susceptible to phishing and business email compromise. And hence, spear phishing is one of the most prolific social engineering method, especially when you see in 2020. And this has been magnified, especially by the wealth of personal information available online, typically from social media. So yes, targeted phishing and phishing in general has increased a lot during the last one year. Right. One measure that we at Kupinga Call have in place that our colleagues are really monitoring very closely these types of mails that come in that look very, very closely like a mail that could be sent from the inside, but actually sent from the outside. There, there are names from colleagues in there. And please click on that because your colleague A wants to have you confirm this or read that document. That is really going on. And our colleagues are on top of what the automatic mechanisms already provide when it comes to identifying malware within mails and unusual links within mails, they are adding another layer of, of human experience to say, okay, take care. There is a new wave of uh, spare phishing mails coming in. What else can a company do to prepare itself to face such disruptions? Uh, Matthias, such disruptions, I think this is a whole huge social experiment of moving into a remote work environments, but Moving to cloud and in general, you uh, being able to work from home is something which already uh, the market is realizing and everyone in an enterprise or uh, an organization is realizing that it is increasing from day to day. And for that, although there is no clear single framework, there are a few organizations that have tried to deal with cybersecurity concern and want to do that in the future. And I think the best way forward is to mitigate risk. Remote working arrangement has forced the firms to undergo a lot of cloud transformation and a lot of IT practices that exist has made it challenging to support employee productivity because they also do not want to compromise on security. But I would say one such approach is the zero trust model, uh, which operates on the principle of never trust and always verify. Since zero trust model offers a more scalable access management infrastructure for managing network resources, um, COVID-19 has pushed most of the firms to actually adopt a zero trust security model. However, when we talk about the migration uh, towards zero trust model, uh, there are a lot of challenges and a lot of firms are identifying identity and access management is one of the major challenges. So a lot of work has to be done on the fundamentals or so to say the prerequisites of zero trust by any enterprise that wants to adapt to it. But having a perimeter less, so to say, security architecture is something that zero trust can assure. And I feel that this model is something that can actually help the enterprise get rid of a lot of these risks and vulnerabilities or reduce them to, uh, to a very minimal level. Absolutely. And when you say that zero trust relies very much on um, on a well-executed identity and access management, I think that is very true. Of course, identity and access management is very close to my heart and to my experience and my 
professional life. And these strong and reliable identities are at the core of zero trust because it does not mean that you do not trust anything. That's not zero trust. It's you only trust in very basic, very um, strong and reliable um, aspects. And that are device identities, that are personal identities, and that are service identities. So this triangle always makes sure that there is a proper communication and you have something that you can verify um, all the time. That would be one approach to protect the systems also in this work from home scenario, because every connection is encrypted and every connection is trusted because verified. Do you have any recommendations where our audience could have a look at when it comes to learning more about this topic of protecting their own organization? Is there something at coopingacole.com that you would recommend where to start? What would be a starting point here? Well, the best way for our audience to find out about zero trust is actually go to our website and go to the research section Just by typing zero trust, you will find a sea of resources that whose heading would actually lead you to what you're looking for, and you could actually get started on that. And it's just not based on theory, but also events and as well as trends re related to security and zero trust. So it's a well thought through a research section for our avid listeners and readers. Perfect. Thank you very much. And uh, as this is the third episode in a series of um, podcasts around this uh, working from home cybersecurity landscape, we will pick up another topic next week. Um, Paul Fisher and I will do that. And we will look at what you've mentioned already. We will look at privileged access management. You and Annie, um, provided the groundwork so that we can build upon that. And there will be surely more episodes around that working from home cybersecurity topic on top of that um, for the time being. Thank you very much, um, Shika, for being my guest today. And um, looking forward to having you as a guest very soon. Thank you, Matthias. It was my pleasure. It was nice talking to you. My pleasure. And great to have you on board at Kubica Cole. So bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.